You're listening to the Versus Node podcast, presented by GamerNode.com. Welcome to episode 58 of the Versus Node podcast. I'm Eddie Anzato, your host and editor-in-chief of GamerNode.com, and I'm here with only one other Gamer Nodian. He's been here for a long time, and his name is Jason Finelli. How are you, sir? I'm good. I don't know if I'm as excited as you are. You're hype <laughs> today. Yeah, I guess so. I'm just, I have the day off from my real-world job, and, and uh, I'm just chilling. It's great. Everything's wonderful. Everything is awesome. <laughs> My real world job is a night job. I work three to midnight, so that's why I can be here. Woohoo! That's Woo-hoo. terrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I I did that for a while. I actually worked at a hotel where I was um, I did night auditing, but I only did it for for two out of the five days that I worked in the week, or, or three out of the five days, and that was the worst thing ever. It turned me into basically a zombie, and my week felt like it was six days long only because somewhere in there I lost a day. Worst thing ever, don't do that. Yeah. If you do all nighttime, that's one thing. But to switch back and forth, deadly. deadly. Anyway, that's work. This is play. Um, we're going to talk about some games we've been playing. So, yeah. uh, what have you been playing? But... Hmm, I'm trying to think about where to start here. Uh, I'm wondering if I should go with a. It seems, recently for me, it's been all about the remakes, the upgrades, the compilations. Um, so I reviewed Phoenix Wright Trilogy, which is kind of hard to talk about if you haven't played the original trilogy, because they're the exact same games, just with prettier 3D visuals. I will say they're the best use of 3D I've ever seen on the 3DS, just because the layers it creates when you put the 3D effect on, it's really, really, really impressive. I was, I was blown away. Hmm. Now, how, what, what's so impressive about it? Like, how is I, it I don't so know. It's just, it, you, you would think that going from a, a regular DS game to a 3DS game, sure, the visuals would be upgraded. It would look a little smoother. But you would think that the 3D implementation might be a little clumsy. Mm-hmm. Just because like retrofitted, right? Because it looks so old. But no, man. the The text box is clearly in the front. The person you're talking to is clearly in the middle, and the background is clearly in the background. It, it's really cool. Yeah. Well, I guess those games sort of that that sort of plays to those games' strengths in terms of visuals because they're already kind of like the the paper cut out on top of the background sort of visual true. effect. That's true. So like, imagine a Paper Mario game. That would be cool. Oh, 3D? That'd be yeah, sweet. Yeah. Oh, there was one. Paper Mario Sinker Star. It was pretty good. Aha, there we go. And um, I know what I'm talking about, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> so there's that one. There's Kingdom Hearts HD 2.5, which, again, if you haven't played Kingdom Hearts 2 or Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep or Recoded, not that that one matters, um, it's the same games. Well, it's, well I, I shouldn't say that. In Japan, the games came out, and then another version came out called Final Mix, where you that was Japan only. It added some stuff to the lore that makes things make more sense and give it a more clear direction as to where it's going in the third game. But the U.S. never got that until this compilation. HD 2.5 is Kingdom Hearts 2 Final Mix, Birth by Sleep Final Mix, and then the 
cutscenes from the 3DS game recoded because nobody cares about it um, in one three-hour movie. Um, That's kind of cool. Yeah, well, the first one did the same thing. It was Kingdom Hearts 1, Kingdom Hearts Chain of Memories, and the the cutscenes of the 358 over two days mm-hmm. um, DS game starring Roxas. This one, uh, there's a lot more story involved in these three games than there were before because of the final mixes, but I think my favorite part of it is seeing Birth by Sleep make the jump from PSP right. to PS3. It looks very, very good, like it belongs on a console to begin with. Mm-hmm. I'm really impressed. Now, now what is the, the final mix content in these games? Like, how much was added to the originals? It's not so much gameplay. Maybe like a, might be like a mission here or there. It's nothing so much there. It's more like extra ending scenes. And 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 canon type story filler stuff, mm-hmm. as far as I understand it, I haven't I haven't gotten it yet because you have to like beat it on hard or whatever. It's really hard to do, um, but I don't. I'm pretty sure there's very little added gameplay. It's strictly right, right. narrative addition. But if you want, if you're, you're basically asking me to explain the Kingdom Hearts lore to you in <laughs> thirty seconds, and that's just no. And go. No, no, no. <laughs> Keys, locks, Mickey, done. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I only played... I played the first Kingdom Hearts, and I... Uh, I kind of got a little ways into Kingdom Hearts 2, but, I mean, you know that that game had... Or, or, or in my opinion, that game had a pretty slow beginning. Oh, it's, and, it's, the, and, worst, it's the worst intro of any game I've ever played. Yeah, so, so for someone who, who, who did that and, and kind of failed to get into that game... Um, what, what do you say to that person? Power through it. Yeah. Power through those first five days or whatever it is is Roxas, because once you take control of Sora and you get out of Twilight Town, which is the first place you're in, it's mm-hmm. Kingdom Hearts. It's enhanced Kingdom Hearts 1. Yeah, so at that point, you think it's better than Kingdom Hearts 1? Yes. Yes. Once you cut out the prologue... Yeah. That should be an option in Kingdom Hearts I, HD 2.5. I broke that. I wrote that in my review. I said, if there was a way to streamline that, that's what should have been streamlined. You want to take the recoded scenes? Fine. But take that out, too. I am not playing Kingdom Hearts 2 to deliver mail to Townsville. <laughs> yeah, jeez. Jeez. But yeah, so there's th- that compilation. And then Pokemon Omega Ruby, which is a remake of Ruby that I never played. It's the one Pokemon generation I missed mm-hmm. on its native system. So this is good for me all new. The Pokemon aren't new, because I've played Diamond and Pearl, and I've gotten familiar with them, but the story is new. And the story is new even for those who are playing Ruby, but it's brand new for me. Like, Goodness. I'm trying what, to remember. Was Ruby Game Boy Advance? Yes. Ruby, Ruby Sapphire. And Sapphire. And, yep. Yeah. Um, there's like apocalypse shit going on, and, and apparently the end game is this thing called Delta Episode, which uh-huh. like turns the entire universe, Pokemon universe on its head, splits it into parallels. I don't know, man. I'm excited. So how much have you gotten through? Not much, because I, as I was playing through it. I didn't review this, so I was just playing through it on my leisure, and yeah. then I got uh, Phoenix Wright to review, and that is not a game you can just put down. Yeah. The review is written. Right, um, right. You have to play that multiple times because it's Phoenix Wright, and those games are good. And you love it. Yeah, I do. I like it a lot. So so far with uh, Pokemon Ruby, 
um, having played games. You you played Pokemon games before and after this one? Uh, yeah. I or played, just I, after? I played every generation except Ruby and Sapphire. So, playing Ruby and Sapphire, um, did, does it feel any different, or does it feel, just feel like something that is in there in the same vein? Well, it feels like an extension it. of last year's Pokemon X and Y, because that's what it is. It's mm-hmm. just, it's, it's, a, it's a different, it's a remake of the old games in that Pokemon X and Y style, which is great. So yeah, it feels like I'm playing Pokemon X and Y, but it's a new story, which I guess is more important in this mm-hmm. case. Um, I don't know that it, uh, well, I don't know where I was going with that, so I'll just stop that right there. <laughs> but, I mean, it's not going to revolutionize Pokemon for anybody, no. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The, 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 if from what I'm hearing about this Delta episode, that might revolutionize the lore and make people wonder where they're going next. But other than that, no, I don't, I don't anticipate this knocking down the doors of the Pokemon franchise. That will be reserved for whenever Pokemon comes out on Wii U because they clearly have a two-screen thing going so you can hide your attacks from your opponent. I don't know what they're waiting for. Right. Right now, what did you say the Delta episode was? Did, did you say, or did I just it's zone post out? Game, it's post-game content. It's after you beat the Elite Four and the Champion, and you roll the credits. It's an extra episode that adds a little bit more story um, and really is making some people scratch their heads. Mm. Mysterious. Yeah, like they're they're not <laughs> sure they're not sure where it came from or where it's going. Nice. Yeah, so that's good. That'll yeah. keep you hooked. Love it. Hooked on the crack Pokemon. <laughs> Pokemon crack. Pokemon. Um what have I been playing? Yeah, enough Jeez. about me. What have you I I mean I play I play a lot of these little smaller games, I guess. Um, you know, less less uh in the spotlight. Um I played Abyss Odyssey, which is probably the nearest to to uh, well-marketed <laughs> game that I was partaking in recently, um, and that's from Atlas, I believe. Yes, that was, and, uh, it was at their booth at E3, so I'm assuming yeah. it's them. Yeah, um, and it was it was uh, developed by Ace Team, um, Ace Team, who made Xeno Clash, which was really kind of a funky sort of uh interesting game that first person sort of hand to hand combat but uh yeah ace teams that team from chile and uh the game abyss odyssey is pretty strange also uh it's it's like an it's an interesting concept um and and the content is sort of intriguing uh so the game is kind of a a uh a multiple stage dungeon exploration with combat reminiscent of a Smash Brothers sort of framework. So as you go down, you encounter enemies and the sides will will close off, the sides of the screen will close off, um, almost like a, a double dragon where you can't go further until you beat whoever's on screen, but it'll just be you and a couple of enemies and that you're all relatively... Um, of the the same proportions and um, and abilities, and you have your move set, which is a lot like Smash. That's why I said Smash is because you have your your forward, up, and down, and neutral attacks, and you play it somewhat like a fighting game, but uh, it it feels very stiff. 
you know, I mean, I've been playing uh, Smash Brothers for Wii U because my roommate has it, and they're they're really into it. Um, so comparing it that way is like not fair because uh, Abyss Odyssey feels like uh, controlling a cardboard cutout with like a I don't know, like an old TV remote um, <laughs> when you play it. But um, the the story is what's really intriguing. So, so the reason you're going down into the abyss is because there's a warlock at the bottom who is dreaming. And he's dreaming these monsters into reality that are coming up and causing... Uh, disturbance in the you know the regular world, so you're going down into these depths and trying to clear it out and reach the warlock. And I haven't gotten down there, but um, you go through various different paths. Uh, they're like they're basically three paths down, and you and each location that you go through is set up so that it has its own difficulty, so you can go from like a, a low difficulty area to a high difficulty area to a low difficulty area and and it's all it's all very transparent like it'll tell you this is a this is going to be a tougher area and um I'm not quite sure the benefit of going through a higher difficulty area perhaps there's better treasure to be had or or something like that but um <clears throat> the the game has you know, you have skill upgrades, it has a lot of these RPG elements, you get new weapons, you, you you take your money that you find, and you go and you buy new weapons. Um, there are three separate characters, each with different weapon types that you can use on each subsequent trip down into the abyss, and you upgrade your skills at these special altars. Um, and it, it's really interesting, but, you know, it, it's, it's tough to play um, when Is you're... You know, like, coming right off of Smash Brothers, which I don't think is the best controlling game to begin with, you know, it feels, it just feels like a little stunted in its, uh, in its user experience. <laughs> like, the tactile feel of the game mm-hmm. is a little off for me. Are you playing, you're playing on PC? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like that has anything to do with it? Uh, no. No? No, I don't. I think it would be the same. Because, like, you know what it is, it's just, Everything up to the point where you fight feels smooth. Like everything looks correct. Um, it doesn't. It doesn't have the apparent slowdown of of a game where you know, oh, that's a technical problem. That's not a design okay. problem. You you play it and it's like, oh, this is just how the game works. Um, oh, and it's, and it's not, not like okay. it's not like I'm playing on super high settings. It's not like it's a a really demanding game in terms of in terms of uh, graphical capabilities of your system, right? It's just it's just the the way the game is built, um, and it's not it's not super terrible, you know. It's not like I'm saying this because I want to just be honest, but but also you can play it and be fine. It's just if you're picky, you're gonna notice, you know. Yeah. But but it's I would I would at least like. I think it's worth trying. You know, it's it's interesting enough that I wanted to play it. You know what I mean? So, it's cool. Um, but there's that. Then, uh, completely different from that, I played this game Convoy, 
which um, it's really interesting. Um, so you're on a ship and you crash land and your your ship is stuck. Um, you're on like a like a, an airship, a spaceship, and you crash land on this planet. And it, it's it almost reminds me of Pandora, like Borderlands. You're in that sort of an environment, but you have these these. Uh, um, it's a convoy. It's uh, like these trucks, and you go out and you're looking for items to repair the ship. And the game is sort of a. It's like a tabletop RPG crossed with a text adventure. Weird. So so yeah, when you when you start off. You're just on this overworld map, and you're you're sort of directing your convoy to these points on the map that you know events will happen at. Like you start off, you have a few goals, like go get a flux capacitor, go get a, a this thing, go get um, you know fuel for 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 this part of this system in your ship or something. And each one has like a waypoint set on the map, and you just drive your way over there. It's very slow-paced, um, and this is all. This is not real time. This is just clicking around on the on the map. And um, as you go, you might get a pop-up like you run into a trader and he looks suspicious. What do you do? And you say, "I kill him right away," or "I talk to him. I, I hail him. I I you know if it's a, a if it's someone I need a, a ride. Do you help him? Yes. Do do you say hell no? You deserve to be there. And you leave him. Um, so it's a lot of that. It's a lot of text-based stuff and making these choices. And you'll you'll get different uh, resources from each of these interactions. Um, and each time it it feels very randomized because at one point I did something and uh, I chose one option, and then I I had to like turn turn the game off or something, and then I came back and I ran into that same situation and I chose chose that same option and it was a different outcome. Mm. So there's the random element to it, which is why I say it makes it feel a lot like like a tabletop RPG. It's almost like things. It's up to like dice rolls in the background, you know. Um, but the 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 actual like real gameplay part of it is when you get into these battles on the convoy. It shifts to a much closer and and more rep, less less um, abstract representational view and more of a real view of your actual convoy truck, like your main hauler, and then your two um, you have two escort vehicles that ride with you at all times. And what you do at this point is you play it like a real time strategy, but you're on this constantly scrolling left to right um screen and the other ve- there are usually a few other vehicles that come in and they're all shifting around your convoy trying to destroy your hauler um and you're using your your escort vehicles to you know do the do the normal thing you're clicking on the vehicle then you're right clicking where you want to go where you want to set your your car to drive and then you're right clicking on the enemies to attack them and you have different special abilities in your main uh your main hauler truck like you can shoot out this big bomb and it has an area of effect um but then it has a cooldown time and you can go to your base camps which are scattered around the map and buy new 
equipment to put on the, the vehicles. You can upgrade their different attributes like their maneuverability, their armor, their overall health, and you can add new weaponry onto a few different slots on the vehicles. And then those have different attributes in battle, like one may shoot further than the other, so you don't have to get as close to your enemies, and you can stay and, and sort of buffer against incoming attacks better, things like that. So it, it becomes pretty addictive, like it's very engaging. It feels like playing Rome Total War, where you're like, oh, I could stop at any time, but I just let me just do a little bit more, let me just do a little bit more. You know, the, the one more round sort of thing. Which is one uh, of the hardest things to get in games. If you get that, you're golden. Yeah, it's really good. Um, and I like it a lot. And it has a lot of references to to popular culture, popular, like TV, movies type things. There are characters that basically just talk like uh, Alex from A Clockwork Orange. Okay. And like It's like, oh, me and my droogs are going... And it's just like so obviously ripped exactly from these characters. And then one of them is basically Doc from uh, Back to the Future. Nice. That's the the flux capacitor mission uh, has him, um, but it's fun. I, I like it a lot, and there there are mini quests in between um, where where you can kind of go off the beaten path. Well, there is no beaten path, but you can go. You can sort of veer off of your main goals and do like these other little things um, just to to gain more fuel or. or money or whatever. So it's fun. It's it's uh there's a lot of exploration to be done in that game. And I like it a lot. I haven't really played it for a long time, but I can see how I could sit there forever just just doing it cuz the map is gigantic. I'll have to um, check that out. That sounds really cool. Yeah, it's interesting. And I I I'm not sure if it's if it just hit Steam normal store. Because it was a, a green light project or a okay. Kickstarter project at first, but I'm pretty sure it's an actual buy this game now. <laughs> Pick it up. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, that's Convoy. I, I looked it up. Uh, it kind of <laughs> looks like Mad Max meets FTL. That's what the yeah yeah Mad called. Max. That's kind of what I'm. Yeah, and I was gonna say it's like FTL, but I haven't really played a lot of FTL, so I don't want to assume anything about that game. That one but you pull your freaking hair out with that one. Yeah, but Ugh. but that's literally what I thought. I was like, oh, this is sort of like FTL looking, and and Mad Max is just the you know that's the the source material for Borderlands anyway. So, <laughs> so that's <laughs> it's basically exactly what I said. Um, yeah, so so check that out. It's cool. I will. Uh, so what else? What else you been doing? What else you been playing? Well, I I, I, I Smash Bros a lot. Smash Bros a lot. I do. I yeah, there's a whole lot, and I am a I, I there I had a, a personal mantra going for a while that I wasn't going to get into NFC figures. Oh no! Because <laughs> I knew that when I did, I'd be screwed. Oh goodness! And I thought, you know, maybe I'll I'll get one or two Amiibo and see how this whole thing works out. And then when I got my review copy, Nintendo sent me an Amiibo so I could play with it. And I'm like, oh, this is cool, yeah, whatever. And now I look to my right, and all 12 of the first wave are staring me in the face. Oh, uh, no. Mm-hmm. Or, 
Oh yes, I don't know. Oh, they're they're. What is I, it? I think they're. <laughs> they don't do much in Smash Brothers. It essentially is. You know, how old fighting games used to have the watch mode where you would like yeah. set two fighters up and they would just fight and you could like watch them while like eating a sandwich. Mm-hmm. It's essentially if you do a match with just amiibo, that's a, essentially what that is. But they also can level up. You can give them stat boosts. You can customize them to your will, so that way, um, if a friend comes over with their amiibo, they can battle each other. And uh, they so they're like real life Pokemon. Yeah, basically, that's a great way to put it. Actually, okay. Um, like you are the Pokemaster, and the amiibos are the Pokemon, or my Pokemon, right? Except I don't keep them in little balls. I keep them. Displayed on top of my Xbox 360 because that's <laughs> that's, that's what it's been relegated to. Uh, it's it's a pedestal for amiibos. It's a pedestal for amiibo. Uh, <laughs> um, but no, I mean Smash this 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 time is very 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 well done. There is so much, so much packed into this game. It's absurd. There's. I I could not describe to you um, all of the different content, the single player and the multiplayer and and online stuff, uh, there, and all the trophies and and the, everything else. There's just so much to do. It's insanity. Have you done the? Uh, I forget what it's called. It's the game board mode. Smash What's tour. Do you like that mode? Is that like your well, favorite, <laughs> or or do you hate it, or what? I don't hate it, but it's not my favorite. But I'm a Smash veteran. It's called Smash Tour for a reason. Ah. I feel like it's a good starting point for people who are new. Because okay. yeah, it, it's it's a it's a Mario Party esque mini game, so they can be like, hey, is this like Mario Party? And they're in. And then when battles start happening, they're like, whoa, this is different, and they start to learn it. And then there's the final battle where if they lose, they're like, "Oh no, we're doing that again." I'm going to win. So basically, the only thing that matters is the final battle, right? Like, if you can use what you've built up during the tour, during the board game play, even if you were like at a disadvantage in that final battle, if you are that good and you just win that final battle, that's that's it. Right. Well, the stock battle, basic, the, the final battle is basically a stock battle, and your st- each stock is a fighter that you collected during Smash Tour. Yeah. So, if you have 13 fighters, and your opponents have, like, one, two, or three, then um, you're going to be at a major advantage because you have way, way more fighters. Mm. Simple as that. Um, and you collect stat boosts. Boosts, stat upgrades yes. Just like you did right? in the same type of boosts that you collected in Smash Run um, on the 3DS. There's, like, speed, there's attack power, defense power, arms, which is, if you have uh, items, your your efficiency with them, um, jump ability, and a couple of others. And then you get bonuses at the end based on how you perform during the board game. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's essentially ma- the closest thing to a Mario Party Smash Brothers mashup that we're ever going to get. Mm. Okay. Yeah, it's fun, but it's not, you know. How's Duck Hunt Dog? He's so cool. <laughs> I have not yet played as Duck Hunt Dog. I guess we haven't played enough matches. Duck Hunt Dog uh, made a... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? An image or a uh, a persona? No, or a reputation. Duck Hunt Dog has a reputation of being an annoying asshole. Because every time you miss in Duck Hunt, he laughs at you. 
that annoyance plays perfectly into <laughs> the character of Duck Hunt. Now, the way that the creator of the game, Sakurai, the way that he defines Duck Hunt, the character, is three different elements. There's the dog's the, name is just Duck Hunt? Is that, yeah, is duck, that it? Okay. There's the dog, there's the duck, and there's the person controlling the NES zapper who is off-screen, a disembodied person, shoots the can to move it in his one special, who shoots the clay disc in that other special, who shoots the targets in his smash attacks. It's, it's an element of three, but you can only attack two. It sounds like a very complex it's, character. It is, and it's all yeah. about zoning and annoyance, and it's, it's someone who could learn Duck Hunt is going to rip through the professional circuit. I have a feeling yeah. we're going to be seeing a lot of Duck Hunt until people learn how to adjust. Yeah, it sounds like you can cover a lot of, of area in a very deadly sort of way. Yeah, so like, say you're in a four-person battle, and you're Duck Hunt, and you're fighting the guy on the left side of the stage, and then there's two other guys fighting on the other side of the stage. You throw a can, and it misses the guy you're fighting, so you continue to fight, but you keep pressing B, so the can makes its way across the stage, and bang, hits the other two guys. <laughs> oh, it's man. really, really interesting, and it'll take a long time for someone to sit down and really tear through it. Jeez. Yeah, but it's cool. I'm just not good at Smash Brothers. <laughs> I'm not that great either. I played, I've been playing them forever, but I'm not the best at them. No, not even close. I play my one roommate, and basically I, I lose about 80% of the time. But I'm getting better. Yeah. So I got I just brought Street Fighter Four home I for uh, 360, and go. I'm going I'm to have to whip that out and show them what's up. Perfect. <sighs> <laughs> That essentially is, is what I've been playing right now. I have a whole list of things that I want to at least start and get a feel for before the end of the year. I yeah. don't think it's going to happen because that list is about, let's see, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games deep. Yeah. And I still have a game to review before the end of the year. It's due next week. So I'll have the Tuesday the 16th is when the game releases. So I'll have 15 days to start those six or seven games, I don't even remember the number now, and most of them are 20 to 30 hour adventures, with the exception oh, of one, which is a 150 hour adventure if you do everything. Dragon Age. Yes. <laughs> How'd I guess? Yes. Um, did I talk about Heavy Bullets on any of the previous episodes? I don't think so. You did not. No, Heavy Bullets is another game that, I, that I've been playing on and off. I played it for a while, um, I guess a, a month ago. Uh, I was really into it. That was like the game that I would sit down and and just mess around with when I had some time. It's a, it's so cool. It's a psychedelic first-person roguelike shooter with a stock of six bullets maximum that you have to pick up after you shoot them. Um, Wait, the, so your your ammo is what you've already shot? Yeah, yeah. That, I guess that's that the. the the name heavy bullets it kind of comes from that because you shoot the bullets they kill your your polyg polygonal enemies that burst into colorful bursts and the bullets start bouncing there like like animated coins or something you you run over and pick them up okay yeah um, i get it yeah it's almost like the bullets are almost like uh like Roger Rabbit or so, or Cool World 
like the Cool World coins. Cool That's what it World, was. wow! Yeah. <laughs> um, All right. But the but the graphics are more more highly polygonal and like crazy rainbow colors, very psychedelic. And you're it's a randomly generated maps, and you're trying to go level by level down through the through the game, um, and everything is is uh, it's corridors and rooms of different sizes arranged in different ways each time, and you're going from space to space through doors. Sometimes you need key cards to go through. Um, you're running into these these uh, they're like chain chomp type enemies that run toward you, or like little snakes, and you can be poisoned, and you can get different items that that uh enhance the, either the way that you you st- save your money or or they fix your health or they give you more more insurance there's this one called insurance where you you save your money when you die so that you don't run out cuz each time each time you play through you can stop at these machines and like bank some of the coins you pick up cuz when you die you start over from the beginning and everything that you had, you've lost. You know, it's it's a roguelike, but with some permanence to it. It's almost like it has a, a, a few similarities with Rogue Legacy in that way, in that you bank part of what you've earned for future play, rather than just losing everything. Because it's very fast-paced compared to a, a traditional roguelike experience. Um, and it, it's fun. It's very simple. It's a first-person shooter, but there's really no complexity to the gameplay. Everything is super responsive and very to the point. You either shoot one of your revolver bullets, uh, then go pick them up later, or you throw a bomb and or use an item. And that, that's really that's really basically it. Like you get grenades and like some rocket items and stuff. And um, it's all just about responding quickly enough to the enemies that pop up. And the way that it's designed is that the enemies are not always obvious. Like, they they are intentionally difficult to pick up on. So you have to remain in sort of this state of hyper alertness. And, um, and generally, based on the feel of the game, you're moving quickly through the game because it just, that's just how it feels. That's, A, that's how it plays. That's how it feels like I should be playing. Um, so running through and blasting everything, it's just, it's just a lot of fun. Um, and it's difficult, super difficult. But, like, I, I died, like, Ten times in a row, just on the first, on the first level, before going down to the next level, and I was just totally cool with it. I was like, oh, I'm just gonna keep doing this because it's fun. Every time's different, and it's like it's interesting because you never know what's there. But that's just you know that's characteristic of the roguelike design, right. and is, is and I like a, it a lot. Is this a Devolver Digital game, right? Yes, it is. That, those those people, man, they they love nothing more than to really piss us off with every game they make, but they piss us off in such a great way. Yeah. The Hotline Miami games are all about pissing you off. This one sounds like it's roguelike and it's difficulty. It's all about pissing you off. Yeah. It's, I have to try it. Uh, Yeah, there's this one enemy, (laughs) these little snakes, and every single time, and I've learned this, but still fall victim to it, every single time they're in, like, a clump of bushes, 
and you walk through the bushes and you don't see them and you get bitten and now you're poisoned. So, like, the smart thing is when you approach the bushes, you slow down. You make sure there's no little snake that's the same color as the freaking bushes that's going to poison you and you shoot them and they, they barely move, you know, they're, they're very still. So they're not, they're not like a big threat in that way, but, but you always just end up, oh, I forgot to check the, you know, because everything else is moving so fast, so you're moving through the the level, and you get to these freaking these things, and you get poisoned. It's so annoying, but it's good. It's good. No, it's it's so good. I love it. I, I could play it over and over and over again. Kind of like I got addicted to Rogue Legacy that one that one little month of time. Yeah. So yeah, I would I would recommend Heavy Bolts. I don't know how much it costs on Steam, but it can't be too much, and it's it's fun and you can play it basically forever. Hmm. Um and the last one that I played is another first person also somewhat psychedelic game called Soul Axiom. But um I'm not as as positive about that one as Heavy Bullets. It's like super esoteric. Um I guess I guess the idea is that I'm actually not sure of the of the narrative of the story behind it, but I think you're supposed to be dead ish. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and and these environments you're going through are like the the soul experience after death. Um but everything's really weird. Um and and, and it's somewhat interesting and and the environments are are a sensory experience for sure um something that you haven't really seen uh they're they're almost like abstract art like you're playing through abstract art but um it i i found that like the the new car smell wore off kind of quickly for me um and also I think I think we're we're noticing a pattern here with my particular likes and dislikes is the the controls are kind of slow and heavy and you prefer and fast I just I just action for me personally no no not necessarily fast action but just responsive control something that feels like I'm actually in control of what I'm doing to the utmost you know that could be that could be an RPG where I'm clicking on menu items, you know, but but it just it just feels clunky, you know the the old clunky descriptor. Um, but uh, the the main gameplay mechanic is this sort of phase in slash phase out of different environmental objects, and this does different things. Like for example, in one part there are these crystals that reflect a laser beam of uh in different directions at different targets and you either phase them out to let the light go through and pass out in a different direction or phase them in to to stop it at that point and you have to like arrange it so that it goes in the right direction through like multiple little towers with these crystals on them um <clears throat> or another part is you have to turn this giant rotating statue structure by phasing in and out different sections of it to make it correspond with the symbols on different structures at the four cardinal directions 
so that they match and they, it'll go that way. Um, or like there's a wall and you phase that out and you walk through it from one environment into another one. Or there's a floor, there's a big gap and you phase that in and now you can go across a bridge. So it's very simple. Like I haven't seen a whole lot of complexity to, to like the puzzle nature of it. And it's it's not a common mechanic, but it kind of reminds me. It has like the idea of portal, where one side is one arm is phase in, one arm is phase out. Uh, whereas in portal, you had one is you know this portal, one's that portal, or like Epic Mickey with uh, with the toner, the um, what is it, the the paint, the paint. versus the paint remover, thinner, thinner. Remover. yeah. So it's kind of like that. It's a lot like that Epic Mickey thing where you put things into the world and take things away from the world. Okay. Which, I mean, obviously Epic Mickey had its own problems with that. And but the camera. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, Soul Axiom is weird, and it feels interesting and different, but it, it kind of dulls. That, that, that new shine kind of dulls pretty quickly. And, it, and, it's, and it's not... It doesn't feel the best in your hand, you know, with the controller. But um, I don't know. I can't. I don't know if I should really re- make a recommendation on that one. It's, it wasn't really my thing, and I'm into like weird and esoteric games, and it was even too much so for me. Which is saying well, that's something. That's how you know it's really weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that, that's that's everything I wanted to talk about. Those are the games that I wanted to talk about. Yeah, I, I covered everything that I've been playing so far. I really can't. Cool. Uh, give us a give us a preview of a list of the games that you want to hit after your review. Oh God. Okay. Um, Far Cry, Middle okay. Earth, Dragon Age, Borderlands pre sequel, Tales mm-hmm. from Borderlands, and Assassin's Creed Unity and Secret Ponchos. Cool. A lot of a lot of quick quick games. Yeah. Right. I'll, I'll, <laughs> no, no problem. Awesome. Yeah. I'm gonna be. I started Game of Thrones. Can't really talk about that yet because I, I, it would be unfair to give any sort of opinions. And I have Tales from the Borderlands. I'm going to talk about that next time probably too. Cool. Yeah. All right. Anyway. So that was it. Thanks, man. Yeah, no problem. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, if there's anything you want to hear about or anything you want to say, any opinions, any anything you heard us say and you just thought we were crazy and disagree with, Write us, you know, versus node at gamernode.com. Um, follow us on Twitter at gamernode, at, at bigmanfinelli, yes. at Eddie and Zotto. Definitely. Um, Facebook, gamernode's on Facebook. Where the hell else are we? Oh, yeah, right here. iTunes, <laughs> um, Stitcher. Give us some ratings. Do that sort of thing. And uh, keep listening. We'll talk to you next time. Yes, we will. Bye. See you. Thank you.